if you have a running payroll engine and it works fine, there isn't a super urgent need to upgrade it. Now, having said that, I still think that um, there are a number of vendors that have engines that are, let's say, headed to end of life. There is an opportunity to improve things. There is also an opportunity to use those engines in a, or, or set them up in a much better way than they currently are. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow. Hello and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JJ Recruitment Group, specialist payroll recruiters. And whether or not you are listening to this for the first time or the hundredth time, let me say thank you ever so much for joining me today. Of course, you can catch the show on every major podcast channel, including Apple Podcasts. And I'm really, really excited today because I'm bringing back a guest we've had on the show before. Last time we discussed blockchain and payroll technology and all the things that perhaps weren't that familiar in the world of payroll. Well, I'm joined again by Anita Lettink, who is an HR and tech payroll advisor, keynote speaker, metaverse explorer, and top 25 global thought leader on the future of work. But more importantly, this is an expert who is absolutely ingrained in the world of payroll and HR. So we're going to explore the future of work how payroll is going to be disrupted by technology. And this is a real show which you're not going to want to miss because these are the things that maybe you haven't even thought about yet. Maybe you don't even know what's going to impact the world of payroll in the future. Anita is the expert I'm bringing to you today who's going to bring all of that to life for you. Now, for those not familiar with the previous episode where Anita joined me, at that time, she was working for NGA. And at that point, she was their strategic advisor, um, very much working in all aspects of payroll innovation at SVP level. But since then, she's gone on to found a company, HR Tech Radar, a company all about supporting the global community for HR and payroll workplace innovation. It's accessible for everyone in the industry, and I will put links in the show notes for those of you that want to know more. But let's jump into the future of work, and in particular, why payroll disruption is just getting started, and exactly what fintech wants to do with the payroll industry. So Anita, welcome back to the show. It's so, so great to have you back. How are you feeling today? Really good. And I'm feeling even better after that grand introduction, Nick. Thank you. Amazing to have you on the show. I'll ask the first question, which I've started to ask all my guests on the show. I don't think I asked you last time around. So here we go. The question is this, what does the word payroll mean to you? I don't think you asked that last time, but it's a, it's a really good question. And I would have to say it's a, it's a topic that I spend a fair amount of time on. I think for, for most people, it's something that they expect to happen every month, right? And yeah. they don't give a thought about what goes into payroll they only see the end result of that payroll. I think that most people would be surprised if they found out how much time and effort um, a lot of people spend on payroll every single month or every two weeks. Well, I absolutely couldn't agree more. And I think that's why 
channels like this and, and newsletters like yours are, re are really good and valuable because they bring the world of payroll to life. It's a, a bit of what's behind the hood, isn't it? We find out actually it's incredibly more complex than people believe. It's not that simple. But if you're not asking questions, that probably means that they've got it right. From, <laughs> if you're an employee that's never needed to ask those questions, hopefully that's because your payslip is accurate every single month. But the complexities behind that are obviously much more challenging, shall we say. So before we jump into your world now really of fintech and disruption and some really exciting stuff i wonder if you could just give a brief overview about where you are at the moment and what led you to your journey to become i guess a bit of an expert and and obviously founding hr tech radar as well yeah so thank you for for that um well actually i landed into the payroll space a little bit unexpectedly i was in tech for a while and then i switched over to and an HR and payroll outsourcing company, uh, later known as NGA, obviously. And um, before I joined them, I never knew how much effort and thinking goes into payroll. Um, and also, I didn't know how many companies were in that space and how many different flavors were available. So I spent about 20 years with NGA. Um, as you mentioned, I was their um, SVP of strategy, so I was always thinking about what comes next. And I also was responsible for partnerships, meaning that I looked at a lot of companies to understand if their offerings would enhance our offering. Um, but yeah. also, of course, from a competitive point of view, what are they doing that we are not? After that company got acquired, I decided to become an independent, especially because I saw so much innovation in the space suddenly happening. And I thought that I could play a role by being an advocate for these younger innovative companies that are trying to bring something new and use my network of HR directors, um, payroll shared service center directors to really help them understand how they can support the workforce of the 2020s. Great. Well, I think that's, and that's a, it's a great place to lead you to where we are now because you've had that insight into what tech companies are doing, the, the new services they're bringing to the market, what works, of course, what doesn't. And really, I guess what brought me to asking you to join me again on the show was that as a headline that really grabbed my attention, okay? And on your newsletter, it said that payroll disruption is just getting started. And in that newsletter, it said that HR tech companies raised more than $12 billion in 2021, which was actually more than 2019 and 2020 combined. But what I'd love to know is, why is that so significant? And why is it only just getting started? Because I know this is something you've said is, is definitely going to happen at some point. It feels like now we've kind of, we've hit that moment. Yes. And I think there's a couple of things that made this possible. And I also think that had the pandemic not happened, we wouldn't be here yet. But the pandemic obviously disrupted a whole lot of companies but also turned the, the, the attention of investors to what we now call the work tech or the HR tech space. Suddenly people realized that, yes, we did support employees, but we have so many new technologies available to support them much better. And of course, because we all started to work from home, if that was possible, that technology needed to be used. Yeah. And if it wasn't available, it needed to be developed. 
the other thing that is super interesting about those massive investments is that the majority goes to companies that were founded in, let's say, 2016, 2017. So a lot of them have only been there for two, maybe three years. And some of them even didn't exist before the pandemic, yet were able to collect like or to raise like tens of millions of dollars. So it's a super interesting time. So I guess one thing that springs to mind at the moment, the pandemic um, obviously has fast-tracked a number of fintech companies as they as they you know, seek to find solutions to potential problems or to advance the ability to, to utilise technology in a clever and more appropriate way as the, as the world of work has changed. But I would say, and I'll come back to your description of what the word payroll means, you would think that fintech companies weren't necessarily looking or trying to identify solutions within the world of payroll because it often is that forgotten function. You'd think that maybe they'd be more inclined to be looking for solutions in, in other facets of business. So why in particular do you think it's that, that payroll is now catching the imagination of entrepreneurs and, and fintech companies and trying to, to source new solutions now when they haven't necessarily in the same way before, because we've seen as a recruiter more fintech startups within, you know, and technology companies come to the fore now than I've ever seen before. It's been been a crazy time. I just wonder if there's been a a sea shift in in why that's happened now, in particular, that may go beyond just the pandemic. It's a really good question, and I think it also has to do with the maturity of fintechs, because in the beginning, fintechs were looking at banks. Right. And they thought, look, banks are integrated institutions, their processes are long and they're they're not optimized. So let's go after banks. And that worked for a while. And I think we've had some we, we've seen some really interesting developments there. But when you start to unpack that whole financial process, then you also understand that, well, actually, it's not the moment when a payment hits the bank that is interesting. It's the moment before. Where does that payment originate, right? Because when I get paid and my salary goes into the bank, then the fintech has access to it after I do something with it in that bank account. And they don't know exactly what happened before. Maybe I received two payments and I sent one to one bank and one to the other bank. But what if you could actually attach to payroll? Suddenly, you would have so much more insights and data from everyone who is getting paid by that company. And so I think that once they started to create those solutions, they suddenly realized, but hey, wait, the, you know, there's still one step that we can take to get one step closer to the source of that money to where that originates. And that actually is payroll. If, if they can access payroll, then they can completely remove all the traditional financial institutions. It's really interesting. I, I, I do think this is going to take a, a bit like the blockchain episode we did before, a little bit of a change in, in thinking that 
I don't think everyone's going to quite understand sort of straight away. But mm-hmm. I know that you, know, you predicted some time ago, probably two or three years ago when we spoke, that fintech would ent- eventually, I think you said, would have payable for breakfast. And it, it started to happen now. And you mentioned banks there. There were two examples you highlighted in one of your newsletters recently, which is Revolut, which is a, a neobank has announced a payroll yeah. service. Um, the payroll there is priced at £3 per employee uh, per month, only available in the UK. Um, they also introduced no wage access functionality, but also Stripe as well have led a $75 million investment in Czech which provides a payroll infrastructure that you can include in any business solution via an API. So is it this API technology that's allowed payroll to, I guess, broaden its horizons in the kind of services being provided, that kind of advancement in API technology that's been behind some of this these changes? Um, because, you know, 10 years ago, you would never imagine a, a bank necessarily offering this kind of payroll service. It's kind of a, a brand new solution, really. Yeah, it is. And you're absolutely right. APIs are a big piece of the answer. Um, But there's another piece as well, and that is payrolls not changed their their interfaces, their integrations, and, and introduced APIs as well. It wouldn't have been possible. So on the one hand side, payroll vendors are opening up solutions. So in, in with in the back of their minds that employers have easier access to payrolls. At the same time, those fintechs realized, hey, wait, if payrolls are opening up and we can attach to that payroll, then we better set up our own APIs as well so we can do the same thing, right? So it's it's definitely APIs that make all of this possible, but it's from both sides, from the payroll end as well as from the financial um, piece. No, that, that makes sense. So essentially, we're going to have now financial services connecting directly with payroll instead of to consumer bank accounts. Exactly. Um, what does that mean then for the existing payroll providers? Does that take them almost out of the process to a certain degree? Does that change the kind of service offering that some of the bigger service providers are offering? Or, or do they work alongside and in, and in partnership with? Yeah, at the moment, it's more they work alongside and in partnership with And that, I think, has to do with trust, right? As an employer, I trust my payroll vendor to run my payrolls for me to protect all that data that's in there and do that accurately and timely. That is a big role. And it takes a while to establish that kind of mutual trust um, to be able to run that service for employers. Now, as part of, I would say, um, the, the, the latest developments, payroll vendors have started to open up marketplaces, um, create these, uh, these APIs, and allow other solutions to attach services to payroll. And sometimes that that is just a data exchange so that you can real easily exchange data with an ATM system. Other times it's things like benefits or or something else, right? So it started a little bit as a different service, but then fintechs started to realize, hey, the closer we get to the source of that payroll, um, the better it is for us. We get more understanding of what people do with their money. But it's, it's, it's other things as well, right? It's verification checking. So employee records checking, 
all kinds of companies are starting to attach to payrolls through APIs. And, and at the same time, there's also a number of payroll vendors who have introduced new technologies, modern technologies to run that payroll on. That makes it a lot easier to open up these payrolls in a secure and reliable way yeah. to third-party vendors. That makes sense. I think I, I had a really interesting um, conversation with Jonathan Chester, who's the CEO and founder of Bitwage. And we were talking about you know, the future of payroll and being paid in crypto. So not a million miles away from the last time we spoke, Anita. But what I thought was interesting is I asked the question about whether people will be paid in crypto in the future. And he said, well, yes and no. But actually, we, we, we don't actually necessarily have to pay people in any particular cryptocurrency. But what we can do is payroll people straight into a wallet for them to decide what they want to spend their money on. It doesn't have to go into a traditional bank account anymore. You can put it into your crypto wallet and it's still a consumer choice where they invest that or whether they invest it. It's just a new place to put your your money that, you, that you've earned and whether you put a little bit aside or the whole lot aside into that particular crypto wallet, then you can do that. I mean, that's a real step change from where we were a few years ago. And even when we spoke, I don't think that was necessarily happening in the scale it is now. We're seeing it certainly scale in the US. I'm sure it won't be too long until the UK and Europe starts to follow suit. I just wonder, is, is, that, is that kind of an example, I guess, of where you can connect directly financial services with payroll without going through the, 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 the traditional consumer bank account route? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of the one of the things I was hinting at, right? Because typically now your salary payment goes to the bank and you decide what to do with it. And maybe you want to, you know, you invest some money in a wallet where you hold your your crypto and you send that off every month or so. In the future, it will probably be possible to say, okay, 10% of my paycheck goes yeah. straight to that wallet and the rest goes into a, to a bank account and that covers my expenses. Something like that is a very plausible scenario for that we will see in the, in the next years. I don't think it's too far off, but it will depend per employer. And I also think that some regions in the world are a little bit more or, or, or embrace the whole crypto. Sure currency opportunities a bit more than others. But we saw, I know that you mentioned, um, we are seeing some sort of high profile crypto salaries come to the fore yeah. now, aren't we? I think apart from independence, you, you mentioned to me before that the mayor of New York uh, has, has been receiving Bitcoin. And do you, you know, how long do you think it'll be until companies start taking that route? I think that companies will be reluctant to move to that very quickly. And that has to do with, I would say, a level of care. As long as crypto remains as volatile as it is, yeah. it will be really difficult for a company to say, okay, I don't mind sending you, you know, so so let's say you, you earn 500 euros. I have no idea what that is in Bitcoin at the moment, but let's <laughs> say um, it's X amount of Bitcoins and you'll get that. I'll pay you that in crypto. Yeah. If that crypto goes down tomorrow. Then obviously you you have a difficult conversation. So I think that in order for companies to protect themselves against these cryptocurrency fluctuations, they will continue to pay the salaries of employees for the foreseeable future in the currency that is the local currency. I don't see 
a quick way around that. What I could foresee is that they will allow their employees to to move like 10% of that salary to you know, to a cryptocurrency or to to a, to a wallet or something. I think it's different for stable coins because they are attached to a currency, right? Yeah. Um, and and that takes the risks out of that a little bit. You know, the other thing is that okay, so then from an employer perspective, you want to be paid into in, in cryptocurrencies. Okay, which one, <laughs> right? There's sure. so many cryptocurrencies at the moment that it is impossible for an employer to say, okay, these 10 are allowed and these 500 we don't deal with. So I, I think that for the foreseeable future, companies will use the local currency and you are able to to invest as you wish i guess exactly to message that to a to a wallet a percentage of that to a wallet but not more than that and it will be in the local currency and you convert it into crypto have you ever asked yourself how can i recruit payroll staff effectively please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. So I guess that the, the first step then to wholesale change really we, we might start seeing is companies paying into directly into wallets pre-conversion as opposed to to an account for the company to then make the transfer. Exactly. We might see some more wallet exchanges happening perhaps in the, in the first instance. Um, something that's really interesting, you one of, obviously part of your role is linking investors with new fintech companies and they're coming to the fore. What, what have been the most kind of remarkable uh, or interesting or exciting kind of fintech business you've seen come to the market over the last couple of years that really grabbed your attention? Maybe, you know, you're right in the, the heartbeat of this space, but maybe even caught you a little bit off guard with the ingenuity or the innovation uh, or even the solution. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, I don't um, connect fintechs, right? I connect ah, fintechs with, okay. uh, with investors, but my minor uh, minor detail. So I've, I've been working with with some companies that were in the earned wage access space. Yeah. And I know that we're seeing that a lot more now, but when I first started to work with them, I didn't understand the extent of the issue that they were solving. All right. And when I dove into that part of this space, I was really surprised when I started to understand the mismatch actually between the moments that we pay people and the moments that they have to pay their bills. So that was a real insight for me. So so earned wage access is actually not about the fact that people can't pay their bills. It's about a mismatch between when they have to pay their bills and when money comes in. So that whole earned wage access space really fulfilled a need to a lot of people that were depending on what we call loan sharks. Yeah, they have to loan money for, let's say, for a week. 
the interest rate on that week is excessive. And once you go down that road, you never get out of it. And I think the other thing was that during the pandemic, we also started to understand much better how much uh, of the mental health issues, you know, that we saw with people were actually financial health issues. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so what you currently see is a lot of investments in companies that help people understand how to manage their money and do it in a much better and much more planable way so that they can actually spend their money over the month instead of having to worry about when money comes in and when it comes out and it isn't well connected. So to bridge the gap, people always dig themselves into a deep financial hole. Are you seeing though, because obviously, I mean, you're based, for those not familiar, you're based in, in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I have to agree with you that the, the one kind of piece of tech that we're seeing or solution that we're seeing really ballooning the market. And I know from the guests we've had on the show, I've had the founder of Hasty, which is a, a pay on demand software. We've had David Ossett from Civilian talk about Dayforce Wallet, yep. uh, Peter Briffitt, but WageStream. So I know I've seen a huge influx of new solutions come to the market in, in, in this particular space. But actually, with the pale professionals that I deal with day to day in the UK in particular, there's still a lot of reticence and uh, about taking on these solutions they don't necessarily see the benefits they 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 see problems around the legislation the real-time pay you know whether it's a good thing to be giving people access early sometimes but yet if i look across the water over the states it seems to be massively uh, more accepted in the us than it has been in the uk so far but i don't really know what the what the european adoption has been like but i'd love to know why you think there's been so much resistance to it do you think it's more around understanding or does it just not work as well in the uk i think people probably don't understand what the issue is because the immediate assumption when you when you think about earned wage access is okay so then if we give people access to money early then they spend it early right and so they are still behind it's but just in a different way but that is not the problem underneath earned wage access. And in the United States, it's much more about living. And and that is a lot around, or they look differently at minimum wage than we do here in, in, in Europe. Surprisingly, I discovered that there are a number of earned wage access vendors here in Europe, but they, they focus on a different type of issue. I spoke to a number of these vendors and here's much more about people suddenly needing to, to pay an unexpected invoice. Your, your fridge breaks down and you don't have the money immediately to buy a new one um, because you don't have enough savings. Then the ability to get out your money early to pay for that broken fridge or whatever item you need to, uh, you need to replace helps you and you don't have to take out a loan. It's almost like you loan against your own salary, right? Which ultimately makes that you don't have to pay interest. So in the end, that helps you manage your money. So here, it's not so much to use it for your normal expenses. In Europe, people use it much, much more for unexpected 
Okay, that's interesting. That's that's a good way of putting it. I think um, that really helps cement it. I mean, it, you mentioned um, also, of course, it takes away the anxiety of, of a, a payment you weren't expecting and not knowing when to get those funds from um, yeah. before it even gets the interest rates. But you know, in the UK here, we've got two thirds of workers which are affected by personal finance related stress. So it's a huge proportion. I think only one in five businesses, last time I read, were offering any kind of financial wellbeing program to combat the challenges. But I guess where the disconnect is for me is, um, and it was about a year ago now, maybe the status changed but the CIPP here in the UK did a survey of, of its payroll members and only 12% of 413 people that were surveyed believed that pay on demand services were an attractive benefit for the workforce and I think that probably shows me a little bit of the disconnect between you know what it is that some of these companies are looking to offer and what the actual solution can deliver and I think maybe that's more of an educational piece that needs to be delivered here um, certainly in the UK before it probably sees wide scale adoption, although I'm, I'm sure it's improving. But yeah, it's, it's really, I think the way you put it there with the fridge and being having access to it when you need it is a really good example of how how it can be used very positively. Just to take it back to, I guess, the, the, the payroll um, solution right. space, Anita. One thing I guess I've noticed, despite all the newcomers in HR and payroll tech that we're seeing here as recruiters, I haven't really seen anyone particularly come to market with any kind of new payroll service on a new engine. It, we seem to be sort of, uh, I guess, re-engineering what's already there, but nothing necessarily, that I, I may be incorrect here, and I'm not necessarily in that, you know, right in that space to know, but I wonder if you're seeing any new payroll services on new engines coming to the market, or, or, or is my perception accurate? It's fairly accurate, yes. And also, to me, that is a big surprise. I know that there are two, maybe three companies working in a stealth mode at the moment on okay. fuel engines. So there are definitely some vendors that are thinking about new payrolls using new technologies. And we talked about that when we were um, talking about blockchain as well, right? So one of the reasons why payroll on blockchain doesn't work or doesn't need to work is because payroll is a black box. You don't want to have a record of all the calculations that go on every month while you are calculating payroll. And I think that still holds true as a payroll vendor also to preserve your engine. You don't want to open it up to everyone, you sure. want to, right? What goes into payroll, that's fine to open up. What comes out of it, that's fine as well. But what goes on between, in between, you want to protect the integrity of the calculations so no one should have access. The other thing is that I still don't see a need for an employee to start a payroll run at any given time of the month. Because if that were the case, then suddenly everyone can, can decide when they get paid, that would, I mean, companies wouldn't allow that because of their cash flow position, right? It's it's all very carefully managed. And right. when payroll is due, then they have all that cash flow to pay everyone. Sure. So if, if you have a running payroll engine and it works fine, there isn't a super urgent need to upgrade it. Now, having said that, I still think that um, there are a number of vendors that have engines that are, let's say, headed to end of life. There is an opportunity to improve things. There is also an opportunity to 
use those engines in a, or, or set them up in a much better way than they currently are. Undoubtedly, we will see a number of new engines come to the table. And I think especially engines that are being built to run global payroll. For sure. Right? So that you have one engine and you can run all these different countries on top of them. Um, there, there are not a lot of vendors that can cover a broad variety of countries on one engine. Most of them have like two or three or maybe four to piece it and piece it all together through overlays and APIs once again. And even I would say the new global workforce vendors that we saw come to market over the past two years, they rely on the existing infrastructure. Most of them haven't developed new engines. And that is why I was also so interested when uh, Revolut came to market with a new engine, as they claim, right? What exactly is that? And I understand it's for the UK only, but Revolut is in more countries. Sure. I'm, I'm really excited to learn how they are going to expand, if they are going to expand that payroll service into other countries. And then at the same time, also, what are all these other banks, these neobanks, doing? Are they going to introduce payroll as well? That fascinates me. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, if we stay on that fascination point, what are the things that going, you know, with all the things you know now, as, as you say, you know, the pandemic has certainly accelerated the rate of change in the world of technology and payroll technology in particular and transformation. What are the things that you're most excited about that we should perhaps start to see, uh, expect to see a little bit more of in the world of, of payroll going forward? So one of the things that we didn't talk about yet is, is, how people are taking a different view on income, right? Yeah. Because up until the pandemic, most people worked a full-time job. And so you have one salary coming from one company. The pandemic changed all of that with more people questioning why they should spend you know, their whole week at one company. And what I find fascinating is that a lot of people are diversifying their income streams. And I find that interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's not only payroll anymore, right? But they have income coming from a side gig, or maybe they have, you know, they're an influencer or a creator. And suddenly you have all these tools available um, that you can use to sell your stuff to the world. And that means that now your, your income comes through Stripe or, or maybe through LinkedIn or Twitter or, or some other social media, Instagram, I don't, I don't know. But there are now suddenly very many ways that people can earn money. So it's not only payroll anymore, but all that money is gross, right? And it needs to transfer to net in a certain way. That is not happening, which means that all these people, when they work for a company, taxes, social securities are taken out, but that doesn't happen with all their other income streams, Sure. which means that everything needs to be paid retroactively through taxes, maybe a year later, but how are they going to pay for social security? Do they have to pay that? So for an ordinary person, if they diversify their income streams, how are they going to manage what was before managed through payroll? I would say that's a white space. 
I, I would agree. It must be interesting. I, I, I would imagine there's an awful lot of money as a result of some of these side gigs you're talking about, which have absolutely ballooned post-pandemic with people setting up, as you say, different side gigs. Whether How much of that money is being declared at all anyway? And whether those individuals, I mean, it's a whole different question, want to, but it'd be interesting to know the kind of sums involved now that people are earning that aren't necessarily being declared in any way through any form of payroll. Um, and where that, you know, it's kind of a, a black hole of um, of earnings now that people need to you know have, have to take their own responsibility to come to the fore and declare it I guess but um, that's probably a different challenge altogether. Yeah, and 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 look, I know it's maybe not payroll, but I could see, and also there once again, banks could step in and say, hey. This is interesting because we see that for for you know for fifty percent of your income we see that you get payroll from someone that's fine but we also see that you have income from A B and C yeah why wouldn't we take that money for you and when when it comes in for from A we'll take out let's say twenty percent for taxes and we'll take out five percent for social security or whatever and we'll take out five percent for your pension sure I have one of those new banks and they offer that I can do it myself, but I don't want to do it myself. I want them to tell me how what the percentages are, right? Sure. And I think that is something where, for instance, these newcomers still have an opportunity to provide more services to people, let's say, almost to replace the employer because it is complicated. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people whether they declare or not, at some point, someone is going to wake up and say to them, hey, that is interesting. You have so much money in the bank, but you only paid this amount in taxes. I agree. Yeah. What happened to the rest, right? <laughs> well, I think you've hit the, hit the nail on my head. I think that's a, an absolute genuine opportunity for banks and similar institutions to, as you say, offer a new kind of service and come into the world of payroll in a much greater way than perhaps they are at the moment. Maybe that's how we're going to see the future of payroll shift more in the future with that, that bigger input and... Um, uh, involvement from from financial institutions and banks in in the way that people are paid. Uh, I absolutely can see that opportunity. I think you've highlighted it very very clearly, and it's definitely something I think we need to consider. Particularly now we've got a, you know, it, it's not just earnings in in one country anymore. With our uh, post pandemic now, we can we can earn money from from different jurisdictions, different countries as well, mm-hmm. in the kind of services we provide as we go online. So yeah, and um, I can tell you from my own experience, that's a headache. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> So just before we um, we finish, Anita, I'd love to know a little bit more about the, what you're working on at the moment. Um, if you could bring the, the you know your, your newsletter to life for the listeners, um, perhaps a little bit more about some of the exciting things that you're researching at the moment. I, I can't stress enough, honestly, for those that haven't subscribed, please, please, please do check the link in the show notes. It's a, it's a brilliant newsletter that really does bring the world of uh, technology and payroll together in a, in a great, great format. But um, for those not familiar with it yet, who have, perhaps haven't signed up, Anita, it'd be great to learn a little bit more about some of the work that you're doing and, and, and where your passions lie. Yes, thank you for that opportunity. So the newsletter is called Future Work. And I try to look at these issues from the perspective of, let's say, an HR and payroll professional, right? So what is happening out there? What do we need to prepare for? What do we need to think about? And for the next three months, I'm really taking a deep dive into the metaverse. What is it? Is it a hype? Is it something that that is real? Do we need to prepare for it? And so the newsletter comes out every two weeks on Wednesday afternoon. And I really try to 
look at a number of aspects that have to do with the metaverse and and first of all define them what does that mean in terms of hr and, and payroll and then secondly what do you need to do now or can you just you know you as long as you read up on it it's fine so the next issue on wednesday on the coming wednesday will be about the creator economy great we, we just discussed a little bit about that but it takes a deeper dive into what does that mean um, when you hire people out of the creator economy or when you pay people that are in the creator economy and what does it mean when your own employees start to work in uh, in the creator economy because that can happen as well right then i will you know every wednesday after or every second wednesday after a, a new topic comes up and i really try to help people to understand the metaverse I mean, I'm sure I would love to have you back on the show to talk about the metaverse in more detail as well. That's a whole new world. It's um, it's really gaining prominence at the moment for the new generation, for, for sure. So mm-hmm. I would love to invite, take this opportunity to invite you back again, Anita, to discuss that in more detail. But for those, um, perhaps you want to get a bit of an insight into what these newsletters look like. I'm just going to read out some of the uh, the subject headlines as they land into my inbox. So they really are payroll and HR tech related. So we've had things like, one of the titles was, Who Will Disrupt Payroll? Which was all about payroll startups raising an unprecedented 0.5 billion in January alone. Uh, there was one that came in, which is about mental health in the workplace. Um, we've had uh, why payroll must change, which is all centered on, on innovation and payroll. Uh, there's no great resignation. FinTech is coming after payroll. And I think one of the uh, couple of weeks ago, we had 80% of the global workforce is deskless. So, I mean, this really is relevant content uh, for people. And it's a little bit different to the legislation type newsletters that you get, which are equally brilliant, but, um, you know, give a different kind of story and flavor. I, I think um, for those really passionate about payroll who want to see where the industry is moving, uh, it really is a fantastic resource. Like, I don't think there's really anything else out there like it. So um, I'm more than happy to champion it because I really look forward to every two weekly edition landing in my landing in my inbox. Thank you. But listen, Elise, it's been an absolute pleasure having you again on the show. Thank you ever so much for, for joining me again. I'm going to quickly open the vault. Entering the vault. Look, I know we've been here before, but I'm interested just some short, sharp answers to some short, sharp questions. One is one piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll right now. Stay there. I love that. Brilliant answer. I wasn't seeing that coming. Brilliant. Uh, number two, if you had the power of foresight and could change the entire payroll industry with one action or one improvement, what would that action or improvement be? Take all those taxes away. Yeah, I think everyone would agree with that one. <laughs> and last but not least, a bit of fun. If payroll was a song, what song would it be and why? I think it would be a classical symphony. Oh, nice. Nice. Because huh? you have all these different pieces that you need to put together, but when you are able to put them together in the right way, something magical happens. Love that. Harmonious when it works, but uh, <laughs> like an out-of-tune violin when it doesn't. No, that's brilliant. Love that. Um, are there any particular links or places you'd like me to direct you to? I will, of course, include the uh, sign-up in the, in, in the show. I'll link people to HR Tech Radar as well. But anywhere else you'd like to direct some traffic to, uh, Anita? I think that is uh, that is the gist of it. And if people want to reach out, you can easily find me on LinkedIn. 
Fantastic. I'll make sure LinkedIn um, URL is also in the show notes. If you want to make that connection and reach out to me directly, then please do so. And of course, if you are a payroll leader listening to this podcast and you have a payroll-related vacancy that you would love some specialist payroll support with, we do support clients across Europe. We're not just UK-focused, and we'd love to be able to help you. You can contact either myself or any of my colleagues at jgarecruitment.com, and my personal email and number will also be in the show notes. It just leaves me to say a huge thanks again to everyone for tuning into the Payroll Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, please do leave us a review if you can on Apple Podcasts. That'd be hugely appreciated. And just leaves me to say, I look forward to bringing you the next episode real soon. And a massive thank you once again to Anita Letting for joining me on today's show. Thank you, Anita. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment. If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.